It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. Have you gotten out hunting yet? I hate to admit it, I missed the opening day of duck season. I was sick as a dog, weak as a kitten. Sure felt like COVID, even though the test didn't say it was. But the good news is, by Sunday afternoon, I was perky enough to go for a little walk. And I found a brand new place on public land to hunt for ducks. Really nice little pond. Doesn't get a lot of pressure. And I've got pretty high hopes for it for the future. This week on the show, we're going to talk quite a bit about hunting and quite a bit about deer as well. Not only that, we're going to talk about cooking up venison too. And one of our guests is Jim Caseda. He's got a book called Venison Cookbook from Field to Table that has 400 field and kitchen tested recipes. Jim will go ahead and tell you more about cooking up deer in just a minute. Speaking of cooking, a lot of folks are setting up or enjoying a deer camp or an elk camp or pronghorn camp or duck camp right now. And Brooks Hansen, our friend from Camp Chef, is going to tell you about some of the essentials you'll want to bring to your hunting camp and also share some great ideas for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, some of them also involving venison that you're really going to want to try out. Sticking with hunting and hunting camps, we'll also get Josh Warren on the line from WorkSharp. He's going to tell you about the essential knives he takes with him to his hunting camp, and he'll also tell you about some of the knife sharpeners you want to have with you as well. On top of that, WorkSharp is rolling out a brand new and very unique knife sharpener that's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's a rolling knife sharpener, and Josh will explain exactly what it is and how it works during the program today. In addition to that, we're going to tell you about a new state record buck taken in Ohio with a crossbow. And put it all together, we've got a whole lot of deer and deer hunting coming your way. But it's not just about that. We've got a conservation story for you, too, involving Chinook salmon, which are nearing extinction in the Sacramento River Valley of California. We'll be talking to the executive director of the Golden State Salmon Association about exactly what's happening here, what's being done to try to save the spring Chinook run, and who's to blame. Put it all together and we've got a great show coming your way. So let's kick things off with our first guest of the day. You are now with Jim Cassida. He is the author, along with his late wife, Anne, of a great book, Venison Cookbook from Field to Table. It has not... A dozen recipes, not a couple dozen recipes. It's got literally 400 field and kitchen tested recipes for venison. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. So, Jim, let's talk a little bit about your book. I mean, there's a ton of recipes in there. We're going to get into those. But I also want to talk about a few other things. And one of them is about field care of that deer right after the shot. Because that really affects how that deer is going to taste afterwards, doesn't it? It does indeed. And in fact, it is essential and probably the single greatest mistake or biggest oversight that deer hunters make. And as a result, you get indifferent venison or worse than that, venison is gamey, properly prepared venison. The word gamey doesn't enter the picture, but field care from the shot all the way to the pot is critical. 
So let's talk about a, a little bit, especially we're here in, in fall. There's still some warm days out. What do you need to do once that deer's down while you're in the field? Uh, as quickly as possible, and if you can do it on the spot, it's ideal. And get that body cavity open and the uh, innards out. If you want to save the heart and or the liver, uh, you can be pre-prepared with a bag. But you need to get that body cavity open and use a stick, cut a piece of wood, whatever, to uh, open it as wide as possible because you want airflow through there and you want the interior of that deer to be cooling at least to uh, the outside temperature forthwith. Let's talk about aging that deer. So you've got the guts out, you've got it skinned. For our listeners who are maybe not deer hunters at all, what is the aging process and why is this important for having some good venison? It's the same process, basically, that is used with beef. It's a tenderizing, uh, meat-improving effect. And I am fortunate with a friend. I have uh, two coolers that have been gutted, drink coolers that have been gutted. And we can hang three deer in each one and cool what temperature we want without any trouble. Not everybody has that option. Many people take them to a processor, but... Even there, maybe you have to pay a little extra. Ideally, you want 7 to 10 days in a cooler, and temperature range is very important, somewhere between 38 and 42 degrees. Uh, not too far above freezing is ideal. All right. Well, let's get into some of your recipes. I was very surprised to see you had quite a few surf and turf recipes in the book. Never even dawned on me to have surf and turf venison. Why don't you go ahead and share one of them that stands out for you? Sure, uh, venison with many types of seafood is a marriage absolutely made in culinary heaven. And I will share, I guess, what is my favorite of all of them, and it's venison loin, either tenderloin or backstrap, with a sauce made of crab, shrimp, and scallops. And if you don't like it, uh, you got you need to check with a psychiatrist on your culinary <laughs> genes because something is badly wrong. And of course, there's uh, cream and butter in the uh, seafood sauce, uh, and you just quick cook your uh, loin. You never overcook loin. Tragic mistake. And keep it warm while you're preparing the sauce. Serve the sauce piping hot over the loin, and just. Be prepared for a feast that no four-star Parisian restaurant can match. Oh, sounds absolutely fabulous. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, let's talk about your favorite really easy recipe for venison that somebody can do that is not a culinary expert at all. Well, I think the simplest one, and I have given this a little thought, there are a lot of them, but if I was to pick one, it would be mustard-fried venison steak. All you do is take cubed venison steak. If it's not thin enough, uh, use a meat hammer to make it a little thinner. You want it quite thin. Brush venison, uh, any kind of uh, commercial venison, uh, into uh, both sides, uh, coat it well with flour, Introduce it to uh, oil in a uh, piping hot oil in a pan. Uh, fry quickly, just enough to brown on both sides, and remove it. Uh, you can either then cut it up and use uh, as hors d'oeuvres or serve whole uh, mustard-fried steaks as a main dish. Well, wait a second there. You didn't, you didn't mention mustard at all. Where do we put the mustard in? 
Oh, you! I did mention that you brush the mustard in at the very beginning. Just take the uh, the uh, cube steak, and before you do anything else, uh, brush any kind of mustard, commercial mustard of whatever your favorite is. Uh, just take a uh, food brush and just liberally coat both sides. Then coat with flour, and it's ready for the frying pan. All right. Yeah, you did mention that. I just didn't catch it. That, that's yep. a bad on me as the host. Last question for you: Where can folks buy? The Venison Cookbook from Field to Table. Well, ideally, of course, as any uh, mercenary uh, freelance writer would say, they'd buy it from me. And uh, <laughs> it's available through my website, which is Outdoors, all one word. And if they can't remember that, they can just Google my name and it'll pop up immediately. And that way they can get a signed and inscribed copy or a dozen of them if they want them for Christmas gifts. But it's available on all the standard uh, Internet sources, uh, Amazon and a whole bunch bunch of uh, others, so it's easy enough to find. The one thing I would note with Amazon is that they have another venison cookbook of mine. Actually, uh, this cookbook incorporates two earlier books and some new narrative, and so it can be a little bit confusing, but they won't venison cookbook, and once they look at the uh, description and the 400 recipes, it'll be clear. That's it. All right. Well, if you want 400 different ways to cook venison, check out Venison Cookbook from Field to Table by Jim and Ann Cassida. And the website to go to is jimcassidaoutdoors.com. Cassida spelled C-A-S-A-D-A, jimcassidaoutdoors.com. Check it out. Get yourself a copy. Get your friends a copy for Christmas and get them autographed, too. They're a lot better when you do. Jim, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. John, my pleasure. I appreciate talking with you. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. I'm Anthony Imperato, president of Henry Repeating Arms. Patriotic Americans are looking to protect and provide for their families, now more than ever. Henry has over 200 rifles and shotguns to choose from, made in America or not made at all, and backed by a lifetime guarantee. Go to HenryUSA.com and order our free catalog, decals, and a list of dealers in your area. That's HenryUSA.com. Thank you, and God bless America. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com.
Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at AmericaOutdoorsRadio.com. That's AmericaOutdoorsRadio.com. Hurry, though. If you wait too long, the big opportunity might get away. Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Josh Warren on the line from WorkSharp. And Josh just got back from a deer hunting expedition in Northeast Oregon. Josh, welcome to the show. How did it go? Thanks, John. I'm glad to be here. Well, I wish I had a, a more fun story, but I sure enjoyed my time. We were in Eastern Oregon, set up camp for five or six days there looking for mule deer and saw a few deer, but I wasn't able to make it happen. Enjoyed every minute of it, though. Well, that's the story for a lot of deer hunters, and that's okay. You know, getting out there and enjoying time in deer camp is always fun, and that's a topic of our conversation today is deer camp, elk camp, hunting camp in general. What are some essential knives and knife sharpeners that folks should take out there? We'll start off with the knives. Yeah, so if I'm heading into the field, I grab... I would say there's three knives that I bring with me if I'm going to camp. Now, if you've got a whole camp and you're cooking, that's kind of a separate scenario. You know, bring what you like. But when it comes to, you know, a successful hunt, I have the knife that I'm going to bring with me to do the, the field dressing. And, you know, typically that's a shorter blade, fixed blade, good handle, it's going to get dirty. So I don't want a folding knife because I'm going to have to clean it out. Oh, I have a favorite buck knife that I use. That's uh, It's not an expensive knife, but it's got a, a rubberized good grip handle, and I really like that. Like I said, kind of shorter. I'm able to choke up on the blade, get my finger towards the tip, a lot of control on the knife as I'm you know, working inside of the animal. I usually will bring a, a boning knife or fillet knife for back at camp. This is up to the, the hunter, but typically I will, you know, as it's hanging and drying, or if I'm headed straight to the butcher, I will harvest, you know, the steaks or the pieces that I want out of the animal first. Sure. The back straps, the loins, any of the extra cuts. And so having a fillet knife is nice to get some of that silver skin off or to you know, separate from the bone. Uh, the flexible blade is something that I like. And the last knife I carry is, uh, I always do carry a pocket knife on me, and that is for the everything else so that by the time I'm dealing with meat, I am not wondering if that blade is, is sharp or, you know, I haven't used it or abused it for anything else. So I carry a pocket knife that's good for, you know, whether that's a snack that you're eating or if it's trimming a thread on a garment or if it's, I don't even know what it would be, clearing brush out of the way for where you're going to sit so you have a clear line of sight. All of that, I'm going to bring some sort of pocket knife, usually a folding knife, but it could be a fixed blade, something that you have easily accessible so that you don't grab your skinning knife for some of those harder working jobs. That is a great breakdown of the necessary knives for any elk or deer hunting expedition. I love it. Now, you got knives, you're going to need knife sharpeners. And fortunately, you work for a company that just happens to produce those. What are some you'd recommend? So 
there's two that I highly recommend for any type of hunting, and that is our guided field sharpener or the smaller version, lighter version of that, which is the pocket knife sharpener. Both of those are rather simple systems. They use diamond and ceramic abrasives, and then they have an angle guide built onto them. So it's essentially your traditional pocket stone or, or sharpening stone sized down about a, a one-inch by four inch abrasive or on a pocket sharpener it's a half inch by four inch abrasive with a 20 degree angle guide which is a great angle for most of your pocket knives and hunting knives and it's a reference point if you want to sharpen slightly different okay use 20 degrees as a reference and adjust from there both lightweight the guided field sharpener is more capable but a little bit heavier the pocket sharpener is lighter but you give up some features i carry the pocket sharpener and use a ceramic mostly to keep my knife sharp in the field. Well, they're both great. You know, the pocket knife sharpener, like you said, it is very lightweight, very compact, fits right in your pocket, and it's been a big hit. We've given them out at the uh, sportsman shows over the last couple of years. But the guided field sharpener, I mean, I'm literally looking at one I've got in my studio right now next to a couple of pocket knives I have, and it's the best. It's just money. It's perfect uh, to put in your glove box. If you got a boat, to put in the... The boat, it just does great for sharpening fillet knives, for pocket knives, for, you know, any other knife that you might have in the field or on the water. So can't say enough good things about that. One other thing I want to talk about is you've got a brand new product out. Tell our listeners about the Rolly Sharpener. Yeah, WorkSharp is excited to bring that sharpener out. I'll try to describe it here. It's a rather simple concept, but very novel and different from most knife sharpeners you've seen. There's a, a small block that it has magnets in it that holds the knife via the magnets with the edge pointed up on top of a counter or flat surface. And the angle is set based on the, I guess, the cut or the angle of the side of that block. So I snap the knife to the magnetic angle block and it holds the knife at a set, you know, anywhere between 15 and 25 degrees, depending on which of the four sides you're using. Then the other piece of it is a rolling, oh, you could call it a chassis, with a circular abrasive on it that you roll up and down the length of the blade of the knife. So instead of a traditional stone where you bring the knife and you hold it at the angle and move it along the stone, well, now we've got the knife fixed and we're moving the stone by rolling it along the length of the blade. It makes it very simple and easy to use. You know, we've shown this a few times. We've gotten some feedback and a frequent response is like, wow, I sharpen my knives this way, but this would be great for somebody, some giftable person who is less familiar with knife sharpening. Say this is not an entirely new concept that WorkSharp invented. Uh, It was invented by a, a German company not too long ago, but it's certainly been interesting in the in the sharpening world and WorkSharp was very excited to enter this market. We believe we're delivering more value, a wider abrasive selection, more angles, a safer, more comfortable grip experience. And so in the rolling knife sharpener world, I'm very excited to see you know how this does. And I think that for a lot of people, this is going to be a kind of a revelation moment in like, wow, I can sharpen my knife. Well, it's certainly something very novel to me. You mentioned that it has been around for a little while, but when when I saw it, it's like, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. Is this in stores yet, or is it just available at WorkSharpTools.com? It is available at WorkSharpTools.com and Amazon. 
as well as a few very small online retailers, sharpeningsupplies.com and bladehq.com. All right. Well, personally, I would head to the WorkSharp website because you'll also find a lot more information about the Rolling Knife Sharpener and all the other knife sharpeners they have there. The website, again, WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com. Get yourself some knife sharpeners for deer and elk camp or for the kitchen, too, and check out the new Rolling Knife Sharpener. Josh, always a pleasure, sir, to have you on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks, John. Always happy to be here. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. And with deer hunting seasons underway, if you are not happy with the performance of your current firearm, check out one of the rifles available from Henry Repeating Arms. They're all made right here in the USA. They look great. They're rugged. They're reliable. They're accurate right out of the box. And you can get them in classic calibers like 3030, great for the woods and the whitetail, or in more modern calibers with the Henry Long Ranger like 6.5 Creedmoor or a 308 Winchester and more. Check out the entire lineup of rifles from Henry Repeating Arms at their website henryusa.com. That's henryusa.com. And don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog while you're there. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. We've been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska for a while now. They're truly Alaska's best lodge. Wildlife is abundant from bears and deer to eagles and whales. And let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing, halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Next on America Outdoors Radio, we've got troubling news out of the Golden State of California when it comes to Chinook salmon. There was a wholesale closure of fishing for fall Chinook salmon off the California coast and southern Oregon coast this year due to very low returns. And to make matters worse, the spring Chinook run on the Sacramento River is facing extinction. With us here to tell you more about the situation is Scott Artis. He is the executive director for the Golden State Salmon Association. Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. And really helping us to cover this incredible decline and issue across the the country. It's amazing. How did we get here on the Sacramento River, which historically has been known for very healthy returns of salmon in past years? That's correct, yeah. We're talking 2023 is really a carry-on of the just the impacts that have happened we've seen just across the world. There's been unprecedented you know, COVID and pandemics and all these other things. And now what we're seeing is a disaster when it comes to our salmon fishery out here in the state. 
There's been low flows, hot temperatures during the drought over the past couple of years that we're now seeing as a result of a complete destruction of the salmon fishery at this point. As you mentioned, the fall run is closed for the second time in history. This was really the only viable, commercially viable, I should say, and recreational run that still existed. And the decision was made due to low numbers of adults and two-year-old jack salmon that have survived the hostile conditions that they encountered in our Central Valley rivers in recent years. And so all of these rivers are controlled by upstream dam operations, and these dam operators and their decisions favoring agriculture and industrial agriculture, because we're friends to farmers, we understand people need food, but we're talking luxury nut tree crops and things that are being exported. And so our salmon survival has resulted in just a very poor natural salmon reproduction in recent years because of this lethally hot water that's left over after dam releases and diversions, killing salmon eggs. And now we find ourselves at the exact same situation with uh, the spring run. And it, it is an incredible just turn of events that we were not expecting this year. You've got a couple culprits, so to speak, that you're pointing the finger out when it comes to these releases of water that are mainly going to agricultural lands. So the Bureau of Reclamation obviously operates the dams. But the state of California, under Governor Gavin Newsom, is also to blame. Why is that? That's correct. Again, this comes back to low flows and hot water temperatures that is being diverted out into these large industrial agricultural lands that are largely doing nut tree crops that are going and and being exported. But really what the spring run and this decimation that we're seeing, there's kind of four big things that have happened. And one of them recently is in August, we had a PG&E canal fail that dumped tons of rust-colored sediment into Butte Creek. That is a stronghold for the spring run salmon run. And that led to another basically Butte Creek fish kill that happened previously in 2021. Again, as a result of hot temperatures and low flows that forced in 2021, forced these salmon into small pools, disease outbreaks, 91% of salmon died. 2023, we find a landslide from a failed canal, destroys and kills just a few fish that were actually there. And so the sediment that's still lingering there is possibly going to kill the reds for the few spring run that actually survived the spill. And so we're seeing these kinds of, it's almost like a comedy of errors that is trying to eradicate fishermen and an entire species. Second, we've shown and seen that juvenile springers thrive in this wild area of Mill Creek, which feeds into Butte Creek and the Sacramento, and they basically end up dying as they're trying to out-migrate when they're hitting low flows in the main stem of the Sacramento River. So the cause is clear. The Bureau of Reclamation's operation of Shasta Dam does not leave enough water in the rivers in the spring to allow the spring run and other salmon to survive their out-migration. So we're hitting them when they come in. We're hitting them before they can even get out. And as you mentioned, the Department of Water Resources has failed to make improvements that would have improved flow conditions, restore habitat, retrofit antiquated designs of this Oroville Dam and Thermolito After Bay, which generates hot river temperatures that render half of the spawning habitat of the Feather River unusable by spring run and even fall run in many years. And this has been going on 24 years. So in a way, we shouldn't be surprised that this has happened. We've seen the writing on the wall. We just haven't, and when I say we, the state, 
Governor Newsom, because this lays at his feet, has not done what is needed to save the salmon industry, the salmon fishery, and all of that interconnected economic web that is supported and you know by this fishery, as well as all these coastal communities, cultures. Uh, it is amazing and heartbreaking what is happening. Oh, it certainly is. And folks, if you're wondering how much impact there is for the fall Chinook salmon industry in this region, we're talking about $2.1 billion in economic activity, 33,000 jobs that are affected in California and Oregon in a normal season. So there's definitely some impact. Now, I've got to ask a question here. Further north on the Klamath River and also on the Columbia River, you know, there are dams there as well. And organizations have taken the operators to court to basically force them to have operations that are more fish-friendly. Is the same thing happening on the Sacramento River? That's what we're working for, but it hasn't necessarily happened yet. And so you're exactly right, because there is this other fourth element that's exactly the same situation, because the Department of Water Resources, PG&E, these dams prevent spring-run salmon, for instance, from reaching their historic habitat. And PG&E has stated that they no longer even want to maintain and operate these dams. Yet we're still in a, a process that's been slow walked by these agencies and this utility to actually do what is needed to protect the fall run salmon. And so we're at a point now where this historic run before all of these rivers were plugged by all these hundreds of dams, that it was a million strong. I mean, the spring run was a million strong, if not even more. And now we're at a point where the Department of Fish and Wildlife is actually out there collecting the few juveniles, these few yearlings that are left. It takes them to UC Davis to create a brood stock, a captive breeding program, just to save the species. So we go from a million to a few hundred that are left, and we even tried to decimate that from a single pollution event. A single landslide potentially has the ramifications of eradicating a species. And that's why we, as Golden State Salmon Association, has been working to promote and advocate and, and coming on the heels of a lot of this enclosures to say, hey, now is the time, state and federal agencies, PG&E, you've got to get these dam removals done and get these fish reintroduction efforts moving on places like the Feather River, Battle Creek, Sacramento, because continued gridlock is not acceptable. And it's resulting, as you just mentioned, in all these jobs, this economic activity loss, just an incredible scenario where we are destroying an industry right before our eyes. We are watching that industry go extinct just like the salmon are. It's a very sad state of affairs in the state of California, which often promotes itself, and Governor Kevin Newsom certainly does, as being environmentally friendly, and this is decidedly not. If you are listening and you live in California, contact your state representatives and your state senators and Governor Newsom's office and Tell them to turn this situation around. You can also join the fight by joining the Golden State Salmon Association. The website to go to, goldenstatesalmon.org. That's goldenstatesalmon.org. Scott, thanks for bringing this to our attention today on America Outdoors Radio. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for bringing this to the attention of everyone else because we're out there with you fighting to save salmon for everyone. And I can tell you, I hear stories every day from parents and people whose kids or their sons or daughters are commercial fishermen or women or recreational guides, and they are in deep trouble. And so we're here to help, and we really appreciate you getting the word out. Well, you keep fighting the good fight, and we will keep in touch. Thank you so much. 
This is the Rolling Knife Sharpener by WorkSharp. Designed to make sharpening fast, easy, and work every time. Snap to your angle, select your abrasive, and make sharp happen. Sharpen your kitchen knives, large and small, Japanese knives, and even pocket knives. The magnetic angle base secures a wide range of knives at four set angles. Three premium abrasives deliver fast sharpening and exceptional results. The tri-axle drive system allows you to follow the curve of your longest blade. And the soft touch grip ensures comfort and safety during the entire sharpening process. Add confidence to your cuts. Make sharp happen. Campers, adventure seekers, hunters, and foodies. No matter the lifestyle, we can all agree on one thing. Great food and great people are worth remembering. At Camp Chef, we don't just make grills. We create each product knowing that a warm meal is always better when it's shared with those we love. Learn more about Camp Chef grills, smokers, and portable cooking equipment at CampChef.com. That's CampChef.com for a better way to cook outdoors. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. Attention, small business owners. This could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the Employee Retention Credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. We've got Brooks Hansen on the line with Camp Chef. He's an avid deer and elk hunter. He's had quite a few adventures already this fall. Brooks, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to join you on the show. So you live in Utah, and I know that deer season's about to open up, but you're not going out. Why is that? Well, 
I've got a tag, but I think I'm going to hold off. We had such a harsh winter kill last year. Um, one of the hardest winters ever on record, dating back to one that matches 1983-84, I believe. And there just was nowhere for these deer to winter. And so they're calling in this general area where, where I hunt, 100% kill on fawns and 95% on adult deer. Wow. So that's just like numbers that the, the Division of Wildlife has kind of gathered. They tried their best to salvage and feed, but there was a lot of winter kill. It was something like I've never seen. So there's still deer. I'm still seeing a few on the on the foothills here. But friends that have gone out during the archery season and most of the winter season and got up high, and it's pretty slim picking. So I'm going to take a year off and hopefully allow the herd to replenish, which they're saying it's probably seven to five years for it to rebound. Mule deer aren't quite as hardy at rebounding like whitetail or pronghorn. So we'll see what happens. On the other hand, you just got back from an archery elk hunt in Montana. I understand you had some opportunities there. Yeah, I went up to Montana with, with a friend and uh, man, we hunted hard. We saw lots of elk up in the crazy mountains. It was super crazy. A lot of fun. We uh, <laughs> had lots of opportunities. We had some bulls that we really wanted to kill. We had some opportunities with some younger bulls. We let them walk, but the good news is that was archery. My tag is also good with a rifle. So I'm going to go back a week from this Thursday and, and hopefully see if I can get into it with my rifle. And I understand you participated in a youth hunting deer camp in Nebraska as well. Yeah, it was a new hunter camp. We had both adults and youth that were uh, learning how to hunt. People that have never really hunted, they have their hunter's ed, so they shot a firearm to pass their class, but never really shot high-powered firearms. You know, shot rimfire, but never fire. And so we started in the camp from day one with a, just an advanced hunter education from crossing fences to shot placement to the deer's anatomy to how to apply for tags and just all the information that we could dump on them in a day. Then we spent a day at the range where they got an opportunity to shoot a lot of rounds through a centerfire gun, which was awesome. You know, they're shooting prone and shooting sitting and standing on sticks and kneeling on sticks and the bench and got to learn how to sight in a rifle. And then once we got comfortable with all that, we took them out in the field and we were hunting white-tailed does along the Platte River in Nebraska. It was a really cool, rewarding experience to see a couple people um, be able to kill the first deer. And then the best part was they got to learn how to break it down and fill dress it and quarter it. And we built the whole thing down and back sealed it and ground it and did all the stuff that they needed to do. So when they left camp, they had a cooler of fully processed meat that they had learned about, harvested, processed, and then took home so they could cook. Oh. What a great experience. So that brings me to the next topic. The theme this week on the show is deer and elk camp. And this sounds like it was a, a really fun deer camp. Pretty sure you were the guy in charge of cooking. What are some of the stoves or ovens or what else did you bring for deer camp? Oh, man, we had a plethora, and it was it was awesome. We were in a wall tent, and we had a cook shack attached to the wall tent. And I had a Pro 60 stove, which is a Pro 14 stove and a Pro 16 stove, so a two- and three-burner stove. I had a flat-top griddle, a grill box, and then a whole line of cast-iron skillets and Dutch ovens. And believe it or not, John, we were off-grid, but we had some battery, uh, solar batteries, so we could power a pellet grill. I also hauled a pellet grill out there with me. We set it up outside the wall tent, and we ate like kings. It was awesome. We got to eat some of the venison that we had harvested, and then I brought some of the venison from home. And every meal we had for five days there included venison. I want to talk a little bit about 
preparing venison at deer camp or elk camp, what's a really quick and easy and delicious way to do so? One thing that we did in camp, which was really cool and easy, is we did venison cheesesteaks for lunch one day. Um, you can take a, a nice roast off a hind quarter, like a, a sirloin tip roast, or you can take a portion of the back strap. You want something that's a little more tender. I mean, your your Philly cheesesteaks are made off a of ribeye, right? And that's essentially where the, the back strap comes from. And you slice it really thin, season it with your favorite seasoning. I went salt, pepper, and I did a little bit of Camp Chef all-purpose. I'd sauteed some onions, mushrooms, and lots of peppers. Then did a quick flash sear on that meat because it's cut really thin. And toasted some buns. And then we added provolone cheese. And I went the cheese whiz route. I know some people don't enjoy that on a Philly cheesesteak. If you go to Philadelphia, they'll talk about is it cheese whiz or no. But we did cheese whiz, and it was awesome. <laughs> it sounds awesome. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, Got to ask, you know, when I think of deer camp, elk camp, I always think of breakfast. What were you dishing up for breakfast? Oh, my goodness. We had some ground venison, and we made breakfast burritos. Oh. And I had some um, breakfast sausage. That we did some stuffed French toast, so we utilized the flat top grill for that. And then we did traditional bacon, but then venison sausage to go with the stuffed French toast. So tell me more about stuffed French toast. I've never heard of this. So you get a, a raisin, cinnamon raisin loaf of bread, you soften some cream cheese, and you make a cream cheese filling with a slice of ham. And then you make a sandwich out of it. You dip the sandwich in the egg batter and then put it on. So you've got a thick cinnamon raisin French toast that creates a sandwich with ham and cream cheese. Oh, Brooks, this isn't good. I'm, I'm trying to go on a diet here, and I really shouldn't <laughs> talk to you anymore because <laughs> I'm just ravenous after every conversation I have with you. All right, time for one more dish, and that would be when the hunters are coming back after the morning hunt, what are you serving up for lunch besides the Philly cheesesteak? You know what? I love a good reverse seared backstrap. Oh. Something just easy as pie, salt, pepper, a little bit of olive oil. I like to smoke it to about 110 degrees internal, and then I just flash sear it on a flat top with a little bit of garlic, rosemary, and butter. Sear that sucker up for about a minute on each side to create a crust, and from there, slice and serve absolutely delicious recipes for deer camp or elk camp that you can take advantage of. You can find a lot more recipes if you go to campchef.com. You'll find not just recipes there. You'll find their entire product line. You'll also find a lot of their products and sporting goods stores all over the nation. But check out campchef.com. It's a great resource. It's a great place to do some shopping too. And... Get yourself ready for your deer camp, your elk camp, your duck camp, whatever camp you're going to do, and eat like a king. Brooks, always a pleasure, sir, to have you on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me, and happy hunting. I hope it goes well this fall for you. Next, I know that you're used to one of my favorite segments, Record Fish, but this time we're talking Record Bucks from Outdoor Life. We knew... From Outdoor Life, we learn an Ohio hunter has tagged a new women's state record crossbow buck. The woman in question, Trisha Lucius. She's a factory worker who lives in Upper Sandusky, Ohio, and has been hunting a small family farm for a couple of years with her husband, Brian. They were hunting out of a blind there last year when Trisha spotted 
a huge buck nicknamed Brutus for his sheer size hundreds of yards away in another field. And she'd never seen him up close until this month when he started appearing on their trail cameras. As a matter of fact, on October 7th, he appeared on the trail camera. And when Trisha settled into her blind on October 8th, she knew that she had a chance to finally meet Brutus face to face. It was around 7 p.m., when Trisha, sitting in a small box blind, overlooking soybean fields and patchy timber, saw a doe come out. And right after that, Brutus walked right toward that doe and right towards Trisha's blind. When Brutus got 20 yards away, Trisha held behind the buck's shoulder and squeezed the trigger and that crossbow launched the arrow, which hit him square. Trisha called her husband, and the two, along with another relative, found Brutus deceased a hundred yards from where Trisha's arrow hit him. Trisha knew that this was a really big buck, so she contacted Buckmasters of Ohio, and a representative came out and found that buck was a standard 5x5 with a total of 17 points and heavy main beams measuring 28 inches long with a spread of 20 and a half inches. Brutus's total Buckmaster score of 210 inches qualifies it as the new number one women's crossbow buck in the Buckmaster record book. And this buck ranks as number four overall in the irregular crossbow buck category. As Trisha wrote on her Facebook post the day after her hunt, this is a buck of a lifetime. Indeed it is, Trisha. Congratulations. On that note, it is time to go. But here's hoping you get out in the field and maybe run into a big buck. Or maybe you head out to the marsh and get into a whole bunch of ducks. Or maybe you're going to walk some cornfields or sorghum and maybe flush some pheasant. Whatever it is you're doing in the field or on the water, do enjoy this month of October. It's truly one of the best months of the year. Be blessed in the days ahead. Stay healthy healthy and remember this it is your country and your outdoors so get out there and enjoy it <laughs>